You are getting 100% Jody on women taking the lead. Make sure you are prepared to deliver the workshop, right? To the point that you will have fun doing the workshop rather than stressing out about whether or not you're ready. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me. As I'm recording this episode, we are smack dab in the middle of the holiday season. We had Thanksgiving this past week in the U.S. I celebrated my 45th birthday on Saturday, and the December holidays are coming up quick. Are you ready for it? And as I ask that question, I want us all to take a deep breath. It will all get done. It always does. It will be what it will be, and no matter what it looks like, it will be as it is meant to be. (laughs) Another deep breath. (sighs) For this episode, I'm going to focus on some best practices for delivering workshops you've been hired to deliver for an organization or a group. I promised this episode to you when I did the original episode on workshops back in October, and here it is. And to be clear, these are best practices I've developed over time because they made sense or I suffered the consequences of not doing them and thus learned a valuable lesson. Practice is the operative word. Some of these I've adopted so recently that I will at times forget them. This is why I've created a checklist that I use and you can download and keep handy for when you're engaged to do your next workshop. And I'll give you the information on where to find that at the end of this episode. Don't worry, it's there waiting for you. So let's break this down in stages from when you are first contacted to what you can do in the days after you've delivered the workshop. So first is the workshop discovery phase. This is from the first communication to proposal submission, right? Be professional and timely in all your communications with your contact for the organization. This impacts your credibility. You always want to make a good impression and protect your reputation as a professional. Give them reasons to rehire you and also promote you to other people they know who could potentially hire you. Provide any materials and resources on you and your business, such as a CV, a resume, brochures, web pages, your LinkedIn profile that will help them find out more about you. Likely by the time you've been contacted, they've already done their homework, but making the offer to provide more information doesn't hurt and may actually boost the likelihood that you get hired. They may not have seen your slick brochure. Schedule a meeting to discuss and uncover what all their needs are. You are an expert at what you do, and you may see solutions and opportunities that the person or people working for the organization have not seen yet. It's not uncommon that I might be contacted to deliver a team building workshop, and I ultimately recommend that they do my workshop on your stress personalities instead. Don't be afraid to recommend different or additional work that you can do for them if it's in their best interest. 
Find out the number of participants who will be doing the workshop. For maximum effectiveness and engagement, I typically don't do workshops with any more than 20 people, and even 20 is a stretch. So I may need to do the same workshop for an organization more than once to accommodate the number of people they want to participate in the workshop. One time I had to deliver one workshop for 160 people. So I did that workshop eight times to get everybody through it. Find out the location where you'll be delivering the workshop. It may be at their local office or you may need to travel. If you need to travel a distance to deliver the workshop, that may incur additional costs for gas, tolls, hotel stays, meals while you're traveling, etc. Make sure there is an agreement on who is covering these costs along with how will they be covered. I've had some organizations take care of all of that ahead of time and others that asked me to submit receipts after the workshop was done and I had returned home, right? Traveling gets pricey, so make sure this is clear before you commit. Inquire if they will need you to do additional tasks before or after you deliver the workshop. Depending on the time or complexity of the task, it may incur an additional cost. Find out who is expected to print the materials and provide the flip charts, markers, or anything else you're going to need to do your thing. If they have all of that covered, great. If not, add it as a line item to your proposal. Printing and flip charts are not cheap. You don't want to find out you didn't make much money for the time invested because the materials ate up your compensation. That was a mistake I made very early on, and I corrected that almost immediately. Find out who is providing the food and beverages. Food and beverages are a must. (laughs) Workshops go much more smoothly when the beverages and snacks are provided. If it's a full day workshop, are participants expected to bring a lunch, especially if they're, if the workshop is within their, you know, normal workplace, or is it being catered and by whom? Be clear if you are the one bringing these items in and add it as a line item to the proposal again. More often than not, this is being taken care of beautifully by the organization, but don't assume it is. Inquire if they haven't told you already. After you've done the needs assessment, put together a proposal that outlines what you will provide along with the cost. Be sure to include what the organization is providing so you have it recorded on a document that a representative from the organization is signing. It's usually just a paragraph that says, you know, um, as we understood, you will be providing XYZ. If a couple days have gone by and you haven't gotten an acknowledgement of the email, send a polite follow-up inquiring if they saw it. Sometimes people are so busy, they open your email quickly, close it, and then get pulled in too many different directions. Sometimes your email ends up in spam, and sometimes it's not a priority for the receiving party. However, it becomes more important once you followed up and you're in their inbox again. Continue to be professional, supportive, and timely on your end. Your reputation is everything, and how you conduct yourself is what your reputation is built on. I love the memes you see on social media that say something to the effect of, always be kind because you don't know what the other person is going through. This rule of thumb makes it so much easier to maintain your professionalism, even if the other person is dropping the ball or not communicating well. 
Okay, now we're looking at you've gotten the answer to your proposal. If you hear back from the organization and it's a no, you'll probably hear something like, we decided to go in a different direction. Thank them for their time and end things on a positive high note so that if the, uh, you know, quote unquote, other direction doesn't work out now or in the future, they think of you and how great and professional you were receiving their no. I'll tell you, there have been service providers I've had to say no to after considering hiring them who were cutting and unprofessional in their parting communication. Even when I had the budget to hire them later, I didn't go back to them. They aren't the kind of people I want to do business with. They have already given me the impression they would not value me or treat me well. You may also hear staffing changes have changed our needs or something to that effect. Ask about their changing needs to see if you meet those new needs that still may be within your wheelhouse. So get curious and ask. And if so, give some bullet points on how you can help and see if the proposal can be modified to meet their new needs. You may also hear, we just don't have the money in our budget at this time right? They may have gotten some sticker shock when they first saw your proposal. That happens. Sometimes people ask for a lot of things. And when you deliver, you know, what it's going to cost to provide all those things, they, they, you know, are, they want to backpedal, right? So if that happens, that's not a hard no. Ask what their budget is and offer to scale your services to meet their needs within their budget. Now note, I'm not saying give a discount or give away part of your services for free. I'm saying offer to scale down what you will provide so that it can come within their budget. If you hear back from the organization and it's a yes, express your gratitude to that person and to the universe, right? This is a great thing. Find out who your contact will be for coordinating the logistics. It often is not the decision maker or the person you've been working with in the discovery phase. It's usually passed off to somebody else, uh, unless it's a really small organization. But typically, it's it, the baton is then moved along to somebody else. So who is booking the location, the hotel, and your travel if all of that is necessary? Who will need to get your workbook and your slides ahead of time if they want your slides preloaded on their computer? Sometimes that happens. They have a computer that's hooked up to the projector. They're not going to switch out your computer for theirs. So they want the slides ahead of time. It's totally fine. You know, just find out who that needs to go to. Who is coordinating the audiovisual for the room? Who is coordinating the food and beverages? Who is communicating to the participants? Are you sending pre-work? When do they need all of this? If you're lucky, it's all one person and you can filter everything through them, but it may be more than one. It may be multiple people handling different things. So just be ready for that. It's not a problem. It's just something to manage. Now, 
you also want to know who are your participants if they if you can get that information. Can you get information on the participants in advance? You know, their names, their roles within the company. Um, if this is something you require, you will have already asked for this in the discovery phase. You know, sometimes you want to know, are there going to be higher level executives attending the workshop? Is it all frontline people? You know, who is your audience? That's important when you're designing a workshop. Ask if they will be conducting a satisfaction survey immediately after the workshop. If so, can you get access to that information for your own development? And if not, can you bring your own survey to have the participants fill out? If you are playing an audio or video during the workshop, make sure the room has a sound system or bring speakers that hook up to your computer or the computer being provided if that's the case. I bought Logitech speakers that were not cost prohibitive. So do a little research and make sure you have speakers on hand if you need them. I've made that mistake where I showed a video, I forgot to bring the speakers and all the participants were like, I can't hear, I can't hear. Oh, it's so... <laughs> In the middle of a workshop, it's just so deflating. All right. Most locations have a projector. I have yet to do a workshop where I needed to have my own projector. And if push came to shove, most of my workshops don't need slides. They're nice to have, not a need to have. But just know if you are doing a workshop where you really lean into your slides for whatever reason, you know, you need to have a projector. So if they're not providing it and you don't have one, you know, you need to beg, borrow, steal, you know, do what you need to do to get it done. Make sure you are prepared to deliver the workshop, right? To the point that you will have fun doing the workshop rather than stressing out about whether or not you're ready. This includes creating a flexible timeline that includes everything contained in the workshop. That's helpful for me too, because oftentimes I'm over delivering. I am only given three or three and a half or four hours to deliver a workshop. And without knowing it, I can design a workshop that is going to actually take six hours to deliver. So the, the timeline is a reality check for me. It's incredibly helpful. And if you're like me and you like to over deliver, it will be incredibly helpful to you as well. Design your workshop also based on the time of day. Generally, workshop participants are more focused and engaged in the morning. They get lively mid-morning and have a dip as they are starting to get hungry before lunch. Right before and right after lunch, you and your participants will be happiest if they are moving around, engaged in partner or group work, and don't have to just sit and listen. They, you will lose your audience. They they are digesting food. They're in a food coma. You know, they need to be actively engaged and not just having to self-motivate engagement at that point. They may get another boost after they're done digesting their food, but near the end of the day, they've given it their all, had a great time, but they need to switch gears. I find group reflection work right before lunch and in the last 30 minutes of the workshop, if it's an afternoon or all-day workshop, goes beautifully. It also helps the participants retain what they've learned, right? So just take some time to ask them questions. What did you get out of this workshop today? What was the most helpful for you? What were your takeaways? You know, sometimes we're racing to the finish at the end because there is so much work to do. But if you have some time, there are some great conversations 
that can come out of that reflection as a group. All right, let's talk about a tool that can help you in these back and forth communications that you are likely and hopefully going to have for years to come, whether it's in the proposal phase or it's as you're hashing out the logistics. So let's talk about Text Expander. You can unlock your productivity with Text Expander. Rather than reinventing common emails and messages each time you need them, you can store them in Text Expander instead. You can create templates for all your workshop emails, assign a quick three character abbreviation to each of them, and whenever and wherever you type that abbreviation, your template appears, right? It just types itself out. You can then go in and customize to the organization and or personalize to the person or people you're communicating with. If you have a team, Text Expander for Teams makes it easy to manage and share snippets for your entire organization. Use your snippets anywhere you type. That could be Slack, Trello, Google Docs, web browsers, and any place you frequently type the same things. Text Expander is available for Mac OS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. Go to textexpander.com forward slash podcast and select women taking the lead from the dropdown list for 20% off your first year. Again, for 20% off your first year of Text Expander, visit textexpander.com forward slash podcast and select women taking the lead from the dropdown list. If you cannot stand wasting time or doing this, typing the same type of email over and over and over again, this app is worth its weight in gold. Back to workshop. So now we're going to talk about practices for the day of the workshop that you're being paid to deliver. Arrive early because there's a lot of boxes to check before the first participant arrives and you want to be there and ready well before any participants arrive. You need to meet your contact, get yourself set up, make sure the audiovisual equipment is working properly, that the room is configured in a way that suits your goals, that the lighting is sufficient, the air conditioning is working properly, that workbooks are passed out, name tags or name cards are ready to be filled out, and you have your own beverages and snacks ready and in easy reach. Also, I suggest taking pictures of the room as before pictures. You can use these on social media to promote your services. And I'll say this, I only mention the company I'm working with on social media if I've gotten explicit permission to do so. I may take pictures during the workshop, but it will usually be from the back of the room and I don't post pictures of participants' faces to use in my promotion. Lastly, make sure you are ready to greet your participants with a smile as they walk through the door. (laughs) Make sure snacks and refreshments are available for the participants. And a note on your snacks. I would keep caffeine and sugar to an absolute minimum or kind of check them out after you've arrived. I might have some coffee first thing in the morning just to wake myself up, but then I do not lean on um, caffeine for the rest of the day to keep my energy up. I use, I use other methods, breathing, movement, you know, more natural ways to boost my energy. Because with caffeine and sugar, you do get an immediate energy boost, but then you're dealing with a crash an hour or so later. And if you keep putting caffeine and sugar in your body throughout the day to keep your energy up, you'll pay a big price at the end of the day and it doesn't feel good. 
Everyone's body is different, so you need to figure out your nutritional needs, but if energy crashes or body aches are something you've dealt with, try this suggestion out to see if it makes a difference. Before you fully dive into the content, obviously you're gonna introduce yourself, but also go over the logistics. People are more relaxed when they know exactly what to expect and have a sense of their environment. If you're meeting at a location the participants are not familiar with, tell them where the bathroom is. Tell them what time the breaks and meals are roughly gonna be and what time you'll be ending. Give them a sense of the kind of activities they'll be engaging in so they can mentally prepare for them. Do an activity to warm the group up. If time is tight, you know, you can just have each person introduce themselves and identify something they are looking to gain from the workshop or share something they struggle with in regard to the topic of the workshop. This serves also to give you an even better sense of who is in the room and what they need from you. Use the timeline you created in advance, even if things aren't going exactly according to plan. For me, soon after the workshop starts, things start going off the rails. You just, you know, sometimes that you, you've got a lot of talkers or something comes up that really needs to be addressed. And so your timeline gets thrown off. I'm nearly always running tight on time. So the timeline actually helps me to be nimble if I need to allow more time for this or take out that based on who is in the room and what their immediate needs are. So be structured but also be ready to be flexible. Read the room. (laughs) Pay attention to the overall energy of the room to sense if you need to calm the group down or get them re-energized based on what type of content you're dealing with, right? If you're dealing with um, very detailed tactical information, they probably need to be a little calmer. But if they're getting low on energy and, you know, they're, they're not as engaged, you need to get them re-energized. And you can turn a writing exercise into a group activity on the fly, or you can take an unscheduled breaks. I'm not opposed to having everyone stand, stretch, and take some deep breaths if I think that will do the trick. Also, be sure everyone has a chance to speak and get their questions answered. If someone is dominating the conversation, you need to manage them so others don't shut down or get resentful. If someone seems withdrawn, find an opportunity to check in with them on the next break. And don't take it personally or make it mean anything until you know exactly what's going on. Sometimes the content of the workshop triggers an old wound or provides a revelation that causes someone to go into a reflective mode on the spot. As long as they are getting what they need, there's nothing wrong. Have fun. As I mentioned in the last episode on workshops released in October of 2019, to deliver high quality workshops, you have to love it. Let your love for what you're doing come through. Your participants, unless they are just determined to have a bad time, will find your enjoyment contagious. This also means you're likely more yourself than you would be otherwise. And this also allows the participants to make a human connection with you. When that happens, they are more open to learning and being in a discovery process with you. And that means they will gain more value from the content you're delivering. 
Before you finish up, have the participants complete a feedback form or survey to get feedback on the different aspects of the workshop. This is worth its weight in gold. Sometimes it's hard to read critical feedback. I know sometimes even for me, there's an instant like gut response to it. But I know I make the biggest leaps in my own development as a workshop facilitator when I get critical feedback. This is one of the paths to mastery. Thank the participants wholeheartedly for their time and contributions to the workshop. They may have been told they had to be there, but that doesn't take away from the attention and the effort they put in to participate. If okayed by the organization, you may offer your contact information and social media handles to the participants so they can reach out to you if they would like to, um, you know, if they want to follow you, get to know you better, or inquire into your products and services. Lastly, freebies that require an opt-in email. Typically, if I'm getting paid, by an organization to deliver a workshop, it's not appropriate to ask their employees or their members for their email addresses in exchange for a freebie. I'm either giving it to them or I'm not. I may say something like, if, oh, if XYZ is something you're working on, I have a downloadable on my homepage if that interests you. However, If you're going to send them to a specific page that will require the email or coupon code, ask for explicit permission from the organization before creating any slides or materials that reference this. Again, this is your professional relationship you're playing with. All that being said, by this point, you're probably both physically tired, but soulfully energized from the experience. So let's get into best practices after the workshop. I leave it all out on the field when I'm delivering workshops. The participants get my best, and that has an effect on my physical and mental bandwidth. If I'm delivering a workshop in the morning, I keep my afternoon clear of anything that would require me to be at optimal. Instead, I'll typically clean out email, like the easy emails and messages, and respond to comments and questions that come through social media platforms. I'll also do rudimentary tasks like bookkeeping or entering the information from business cards I've collected recently into my Google Contacts. If it's an all-day workshop, I'm wiped out at the end of the day, so it will be an evening in. Be mindful of what you need to recover and do what you can to take care of yourself. Now, for me, I know the temptation might be to go home and have a glass of wine, but again, you know, I'm somebody who sugar does not respond well in my body and alcohol turns into sugar. So if I'm exhausted at the end of the day and I go home and I have a glass of wine, that is not, I'm not going to be fully functioning the next morning when I wake up. So again, do what you need to do to recover from the experience, right? It was an awesome experience, but it takes some recovery and you want to take care of yourself. So you're back and at your best again soon after the experience. Within a day or two, send a thank you to the person or people at the organization you had contact with, whether it's the decision maker, the committee, or the coordinator. Let them know it was a positive experience for you, if that's true, and that you're grateful to have had the opportunity to serve them. And this one's a new practice that I'm taking on. In that communication, offer to do a follow-up meeting to see if the workshop did its job and to see if there are other services or workshops you can provide to continue to serve them. 
Now, if you are still listening at this point, I'm assuming you either get hired to deliver workshops or you've attended workshops that someone was hired to deliver. Or maybe you're someone who's thinking, hmm, getting paid to do workshops is something I would love to do. (laughs) So let me know if I missed anything. Are there any best practices that you have or you've seen somebody else, you know, display that you thought, oh, this is good. I'm going to add it to my repertoire. What would you add to this list of best practices to make the workshop more effective or an even better experience? I would love to hear from you. So you can leave a comment anywhere where you find this podcast, whether it's on the website page, whether it's on social media, or you can email me at Jodi, J-O-D-I, at womentakingthelead.com. I would love to have a conversation with you about this. Now, I've put together a checklist of these best practices, which you can access on the blog post that accompanies this episode, which is womentakingthelead.com forward slash hired dash workshops. Again, it's womentakingthelead.com forward slash hired dash workshops. Now, if you're on the go and couldn't write that down, just go to womentakingthelead.com. If you click into the podcast tabs, you'll find it at the top of the list. And if you're listening to this episode way in the future, just search workshops on the website and the episode related to this topic will come up. As always, I hope this was of value to you and here's to your success. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. And to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.